Welcome Fruitball fans, another Friday, another exciting review. On today's episode, we review Space Jam, a new legacy. As always, there will be heavy spoilers, so please watch this film first if you don't want it spoiled. Now that the spoiler warning is done, grab a snack, pour a drink and get comfy for today's episode of Fruitball Weekly. I'm Ramra, joined by my co-host Kitchen. Hello! And on to a quick synopsis before the main review. So, Space Jam A New Legacy is a sequel to the film Space Jam. This time we have NBA superstar LeBron James as himself, his son Don James, played by Cedric Joe, and Don Cheadle as a maniacal AI called Algorithm. 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 In a story that is very similar, if not pretty much the same as Space Jam, we join LeBron as he tries to win his son's affection by beating a computer at a basketball video game. Oh, and the Looney Tunes are also there as well, I guess. So, this is pretty much a Warner Brothers and LeBron James jerk-off fest. Which one of them has the biggest peen? Watch the film, find out. But, sadly, this is more of a LeBron James story. It's a big Nike-sponsored circle jerk. Yes, yes it, it really is. is. And the Looney Tunes sort of just tag along for that ride. It's the LeBron James movie. Yep. Sponsored by Nike, in association with Warner Brothers, I guess. <laughs> they're there. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're also kind of there. The actual story itself, it's it's just a vessel to have a basketball game with cartoons, really. They try to fit in a sort of dad-son conflict type of thing in this one, though. So the whole idea is LeBron gave up fun to become a big basketball star, and he wants his son to follow in his steps, so his son can't have fun either. That's right, because basketball isn't fun. It's not fun, it's just it's just work. Constant No work. fun allowed. You know what? I will say, if there's one thing that did actually catch me off guard, is the fact that the son doesn't do the typical trope of hiding his intentions away from his dad. Like, it's not like, I'll go to basketball camp, you know, I'll pretend to like basketball or whatever, you know, pretend to give that my all and I'll do my game stuff in secret. Like, to me, yeah. it does actually come off like LeBron does genuinely give a fuck that his son is becoming a game designer. It's just he wants him to follow in his shoes, so he wants him to focus more on basketball. And I like the fact that... His son's just like, no, I don't want to fucking do this shit. This ain't what I want. Yeah, he struggles to tell his father, though. And if the film instead had LeBron projecting a different thing onto the kids, so it wasn't basketball. Say it was games. Yeah. So it was like, kids, why don't you all become big gamers? Games are great. I didn't. I never got a chance to play games. I think that would have come up, come off as more relatable. Sort of yeah. helicopter parenting your dreams onto your kids rather than letting them do what they wanted to do. Yeah, that's true. He's already made it as a basketballer. I don't feel like basketball is the sort of career that would carry on through generations. No. And I know it may be different for different folks, that's fine. But it doesn't feel like that to me. But no. what it does act as is a decent vehicle for this father-son, almost conflict... Yeah. ...that the film's going for, that develops later into them going against one another. So... 
you know, LeBron and his kid end up basically having a, a mini fight. You know, they're basically saying, LeBron, we want you to be in everything. We want to digitize you, home player. We want you to be in every Warner Brothers property. <laughs> We're going to turn you into a motherfucking cartoon, baby. And honestly, LeBron just goes, that's fucking stupid. Okay? I don't know. It's the worst idea of, for a film I've ever heard. And NBA stars acting, pfft, that never goes right. And he's right, you know. <laughs> Until after shooting, Nike offer him a big contract. Big, big contract. Oh, That's so what really happened. <laughs> give us your Nike money. But I do like the fact that Warner Brothers poke fun at themselves and their movie ideas. They kind of knew what they were making wasn't going to be great. Yeah, being self-aware. A little bit self-aware, yeah. And it didn't stop them from making the film because, you know, money's money. That's, that is true. <laughs> and alongside this more, I guess, realistic story of just sort of like a son and dad having not even really a fight, just a disagreement, really. Yeah, kid wants to go to E3 camp that's on the same weekend as basketball camp. We also have this maniacal AI that because he gets called Siri and a big piece of shit, he's like, right, well, I guess I'll just absorb everyone then. I'll just, you know, I'll make everybody the Warner 3000. Warner are both the heroes and the villain of this story. Because Algae Rhythm is a Warner property AI that creates film ideas. Yep. And the characters in Space Jam that eventually defeat him are Warner Brother properties. Yep. Once we actually get, like, the big thing that kicks off the conflict, so... You know, the kid sort of runs off. Algae fucking makes the elevator go all the way down. And he's like, oh my god! I'm inside a computer and I love it now! And Algae's like, you know what? You should you should stay with me and I'll kill your dad without you knowing. Ah, oh, what a plan. And, and you know, you can just be here with me forever and make all the games you want. And then, while this sort of manipulation's happening, LeBron falls all the way down, he meets a Looney Tune. He doesn't meet all of them. Not yet. No, no, no. And makes a big old product placement oh, in the, the ground. Oh, lovely Nike swish. <laughs> and then, after that introduction to the villain and the actual splitting up of the dad and the son character, they then end up, obviously, having their big basketball event, which I will say I preferred it in this one more, just because it is actually an event in this one. The other one just felt like a, you know, a Sunday game that you'd play with some, like, a young adults team or something, you know, in the first one. And it's pretty much almost beat for beat after that. Like, the Looney Tunes lose a shit ton, and then they get some sort of inspirational speech to be themselves, and then they be themselves, they win, because the NBA star of each retrospective film gets the last shot that wins the game. And in a clutch moment, LeBron James stretches his arms in a body horror fashion. Oh wait, no he doesn't. Oh no, no he doesn't. Why not? Because because it's in a video game. They use the video game elements to win oh, the video game. Wow. You know, none of that body horror garbage from the first one. Bugs Bunny <laughs> sort of kills himself. Uh, yeah, yeah he does. But then, obviously, you're reminded at the very beginning of the film where we said tunes can't die. So he comes back as a hallucination. As a hallucination. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah, I mean, that's honestly, LeBron and Bugs Bunny are fused together in this one now. They are now oh, one LeBron beam. Bunny. LeBron Bunny. But the actual plot itself is really bare bones. Like, it sounds like they might do a lot with the take over the world concept and the whole bringing people, everyone into the computer world. They don't. It's just there nah. to be a vessel to make the Looney Tunes relevant again. Yeah, the plot itself is a very, very typical, mostly cliche, kid wants to do something else, that parent is against because they want them to do what they want them to do. Yep. Eventually, they realise being yourself is the true happiness and I'm happy for your happiness. That's it. That is kind of like the main theme of the film is just be yourself, which, as messages go, it's, it's fine. I thought the main theme of the film was do you remember this show? What about this show? Do you remember? Remember Yogi Bear? Do you remember when they hid people from Nazis in a bar? Yeah, I remember. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Says, said no one under 50. Um, no, no, exactly. <laughs> but if we sort of go along with the story, you might be thinking, oh my God, I remember Space Jam 1. My Michael Jordan's such a great actor. I'm sure LeBron James is just as good. No, he's better. Not by much, but he's better. <laughs> Arguable. <laughs> I think it's a difference in character. I think LeBron James has an almost stoic coldness to him. Yeah. That's not to say he's a worse actor, but that's how he comes across. Where Michael Jordan himself, I feel like he feels more humble, in my opinion. Oh, okay. And he feels more homely, in a way. So, in a way, he's a bit more relatable, even though I will agree he can't act as well. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the actor who ends up playing LeBron's, I guess, fictional kid? It's all fiction. And honestly, the, the kid actor isn't too bad. Like, Cedric Joe as Dom James is, is fine. We recently watched the Child's Play remake. And oh, yes, we did. The actual kid actor on that was terrific. We thought he was great. The golden goose. Yeah. For child acting, anyway. And I will say, you know, Dom James as a character comes off a little flat. Like, it feels like he's always kind of sad and down no matter what happens. And really, the yeah. only sort of times he conveys emotion is just when he's getting some sort of power up. As a kid, being in a green room... And having yeah. to interact with all these non-existent things is probably going to take a larger imaginative toll on you. Yeah, for sure. And I guess he can't focus on the acting or emotion because he's too busy trying to imagine all these things around him. He may have been overwhelmed at the time. Yeah. But if we go and have a look at our fucking antagonist of the film, Mr. Al G. Rhythm. Hell yeah. Don Cheadle fucking smashes out the park, to be honest. He has such a campy, villainous vibe. <laughs> it reminds me, when he's first introduced to LeBron, it reminds me a lot of Spy Kids, where they have just the overtly cartoonish villains. Yes. And he absolutely kills it in that role. He not only kills it, but I just love the fact that it might just be maybe the role or the people he's working with or whoever, but it genuinely seems like he's having fun. And it might just yes. be because this is his first role in a long time where he's not just playing a worse Iron Man. It might also be his first time in a movie designed for children. Yeah, that's true. So he could have been having a lot more fun just being wacky rather than having to be serious in his other roles. 
Yeah. There is sort of like his wackiness, which I think they do a good job pairing him up with the kid actor in most of the scenes. Because I will say that the acting from Cedric Joe is a, is quite flat in a lot of his scenes. It's funny, actually. You don't expect the adult to be the energetic, childlike one no. in that dynamic. <laughs> no, but, but he does sort of just give up that... Fucking, you should just stay here in this wonderful, imaginative internet world. I mean, you're a game designer, you're gonna love it! By the way, I'm gonna kill your dad. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, side note, uh, LeBron's going smush. But I I thoroughly enjoyed every time he was pretty much on screen. Like, there wasn't really Same. a time where I felt he was underacting, or he got sort of, like, tired of playing that character. There is actually a joke that they cut which I think would have been really good if they used, were, I think it's during the uh, beginning interaction between LeBron and Algorithm, in which he goes something like, LeBron, you're the greatest basketball player of all time. Second greatest, third greatest. And apparently it just keeps <laughs> going lower, which I, I felt would have been really good for the film. That would have been so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Sort of, I guess, on the topic of missed opportunity in terms of comedy, eh, it's it's there, I guess. It's it's not great. There are attempts at comedy, without a doubt. While watching this two-hour advert, I honestly didn't laugh out of humour once. Ah, oh, right, okay. And I will say most of the comedy is gonna be from the Looney Tunes. I'll just sort of like the the cartoon characters interacting with each other. As always, when you have a film like this, or in most cases, the actual real-life actor comedy stuff pretty much falls flat. Yeah. But the bit where, like, cartoon LeBron turns into a ball, and then, like, the parachute comes out, and then he deflates, and then he's just like, I do not understand this world. I don't know, I, I found that delivery actually kind of fine. I sort of smirked at that. Except before that... He had already fallen a million bajillion miles. He had twisted his entire body back and forth. He had been interacting with cartoon characters as if he knew them, as if he had been here before. And now he decides to say he doesn't understand the world? Oh, well, it's kind of a few minutes when he lands on Toon World. Yeah, but he's, he's already done other things up to this point that would be very dangerous to a human being, but he just does it. Yeah, I guess so. Like, he already understands how the world works. Not only that, but he seems to understand who these characters are from his childhood yeah. and how these characters relate to one another while designing the team. So he understands the lore of a lot of these characters, so he would understand the world, as we find out. And this is coming from the fictional version of LeBron, which apparently had no fun in his life, because he was basketball <laughs> only. So it's referencing games just so it can bring in the thing with the kid in the future, and it's more relevant to today. Yeah. But I do think that would encompass things like movies... Why are you sitting down watching cartoons when you could be practicing b-ball, man? It does set it up with it being general distractions instead of just games. I will say, yeah. at first, I was kind of against the idea just because it only really shows games. And I think they just use distractions as like, oh, all games are distractions. But yeah. they it's it's kind of a vague way they set it up just because he throws a game in like a, game boy. a rubbish bin. Yeah, a game, a game they boy. They show a game boy... But then later on, they have a fake version of a Wii with two E's. Did they not have a contract with Nintendo or something? What happened there? Oh, who knows, to be honest. Because there's, there's just... I mean, if we're going on to stuff that doesn't make sense, why would you have Aquaman poster 
and the Joker poster together when you could have had one of your most successful DC films, which would have been Wonder Woman. Aqua Joker. Oh. Aqua Joker. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. I think they do have a Space Jam 1 poster somewhere in the film. I think it's in the Warner 3000 part. And it's weird because for the first half of the film, they seem to be trying to forget that Space Jam 1 existed. Like, even the tunes slightly mention that this seems familiar, but don't mention MJ. Or, you know, <laughs> Michael Jordan. I could be Michael confused for a different MJ. <laughs> but then halfway through, they're like, oh, I found Michael Jordan in the stands. Yes. For like a little one bit joke with a different actor. See, I, I agree with that. I agree with the fact that this film, when I was watching it, gave off two different film vibes. Because the first half is definitely Space Jam 1 did not exist. We have always been inside the Warner Brothers, I guess, like, digitised universe. We're not just yeah. a fucking hole in the ground or whatever. Then once it gets to, like, the second half, it's like, oh no, you know, remember that time when we were all legitimately real and played with Michael Jordan? It's like, wait, but you you just, you, you didn't remember that an hour ago. They refuse to acknowledge it in any solid sense. Yeah. They know they've played with him before, but they don't let us know that they know they've played with him before. Yeah. They show a poster. Toon Squad is already a thing, and Bugs wants to get them back together again, instead of hunting for a far superior team. The fucking Monstars exist in their universe? The Monstars exist? Well, they're shown at the very end. They've already acknowledged Space Jam 1 by then. Yeah, that's true. And it's not just that. It's the whole opening sequence, really to New Legacy. The fact it's not called Space Jam 2, it's New Legacy, as if we are the new Space Jam. There is no Space Jam before us. That's yeah. what it sounds like to me. And the opening of the film is Little LeBron, just like Baby MJ before. Michael Jordan's one sets up a sort of, you can do anything vibe from the very beginning, and I believe in you, you can do anything. I really like that. Yeah, that's true. And it also sets up the father being the baseballer, which, you know, leads to MJ retiring before the events of the film. Yeah. But Space Jam 2 just sort of has, so yo boy, negative. don't play yo games, yeah. learn hoops. That's it. They both also, after this, have an intro sequence where they show a slideshow of the character's life with a load yeah. of clips from their games over time. This makes more sense in one, where he's retired now, and it's got a really cool original song that everyone oh, knows. Yes. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows that song. But in number two... Instead, we have a shorter by about one minute intro, which might sound cooler because it's shorter. Except every second, I kid you not, LeBron James's name either flashes on the screen or you have announcers very over the toply shouting his name and calling him king and the best and the most amazing guy ever, just hyping him up for no reason. And in this time, there are no fewer than 10 references by sound, commentators screaming his name. Oh my or... God, LeBron did it again! Yeah. Wow! Sort of... Continuing that theme, actually, of LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, in a way. I also kind of like the fact that in Space Jam 1, it's more like, no, he can play, and he scores a few, and he's actually a help to the team. Mm. Whereas once it gets to sort of like the big event basketball video game part, it's kind of like, no... You need to follow the rules, and LeBron's a big hindrance, even though he has been told multiple times, this is not your basketball, this is the basketball video game your son made. 
There's actually a good reference at the beginning of the film almost foreshadowing this. Yeah. When they first get LeBron on the ship and he's teaching everyone the uh, fundamentals so they can be the fundamental tunes. In the background, in one quick scene, Bugs Bunny changes the fundamentals on the whiteboard to keep it loony. Yeah. And I like that. I like that they made a reference to that and they sort of foreshadowed what's going to happen. Yeah. LeBron is the centerpiece of the film. And he does function as a hindrance for 90% of it. He really does, yeah. Whether it's the fact that they wanted to make him a relatable character, or the fact that they just wanted to include a big name, it's obviously the second one, let's be real. Let's, yeah, let's be real. Even WB said it themselves at Warner 3000, so... But just the fact that, really, he is almost intentionally dumb throughout the entire film... Because it's just the fact that you're exposing yourself to all these, like, animated worlds. You know, you've experienced the actual way these characters function. You've seen the game your kid's made. You know you're going to play the video game version that your kid made. And yet you refuse to change it up so that you can actually win because you believe the way you were taught is the best way. Which, I guess... Fair enough. In real basketball, I'm sure it would have been, you know, the things he teached would have been fine. But this isn't. don't you remember how to have fun anymore? Yes, (laughs) exactly. But sort of going on to the other powerhouse of the film, other than LeBron James himself. Nike? No, not Nike. Going on to the actual animation of the film. And to be honest, I personally didn't see a lot of the animation errors. Although you have pointed out the actual DC one to me that I did end up rewatching, and I do agree. I'm surprised you said you pointed that one out to me and not, you haven't shut the fuck up about You that. haven't shut the fuck <laughs> up about it, yeah, that is true. Um, I do have kind of like a little bit of a forgiveness aspect. So would you be able to quickly explain the DC error thing? Because honestly, if I talk about it, I'll go on forever. So I will say... Um, Just to start off this DC rant that I'm sure we'll both probably (laughs) go on. I do actually like the fact that they still have like the Looney Tune design mixed in with the animation of like the DC animated stuff. Agreed. But there's a specific scene which you've drilled into my head a dozen times, which is when they're on the train, it's clearly started off in Metropolis. They even go past a businessman that looks like Clark Kent. And it's obviously Superman. And then Daffy's doing like this whole thing. He's like running the actual train into a fucking orphanage. He's a villain. He's a villain, yeah. But he ends up sort of going, and then it'll go through all these areas and crash into an orphanage. And then it shows that it starts off at Gotham, goes through Metropolis. Which they are now in. Yeah, which they're now in. Then Atlantis, and then they crash into the orphanage. Now, I... I sort of do agree the fact that it obviously starts off in Metropolis. Why the fuck did they go backwards and then go forwards again? And they went to the Fortress of Solitude as well at one point. Uh, yes. Or they yes, crashed into did. some sort of large block of ice. <laughs> Even though it does start off in Metropolis, I think they kind of wanted to weirdly design it in a way where it kind of just looks like default railway. Now, we obviously yes. know it's Metropolis or whatever, but... It sort of, when I rewatched it, the first half of it just gave off vibes of this is blank canvas city to set up the joke. 
and yeah. then they go through Gotham. And then sort of when that joke happens, I was like, well, when they get to the Metropolis section, it looks exactly like when they got on. But obviously they go through Gotham, Metropolis, whatever, after the gag of seeing the little uh, railway thing go through all these locations. So I forgive it a little bit, just because I do feel like the beginning area was default city town. But other than that, I genuinely think, especially for the Looney Tunes, that they have absolutely flexed some sort of wallet or animation muscle. Oh. Either one. Yes. <laughs> they got... I don't know who did all of the uh, effects for the film, but I know they definitely got ILM on board. But I don't yeah. know if that was only for digital effects, because the animation quality in this film is superb. It really it is, is insane. Good. And although they do reuse a lot of animations, because WB have the original cells, yep. if you've seen a lot of Looney Tunes stuff growing up, you will recognise these animations that have just been drawn over. Although they do that, it still doesn't diminish the quality of the animation and just how well they blend it into the 3D scenes of their other properties. Like the yes. reference to Mad Max. I'm not even fond of Mad Max, really, as a film series, especially the no, modern ones. Yeah. And the Wiley e. Coyote stuff was amazing. I love that. It, it fit in so well with <laughs> fucking did. Roadrunner chasing after him and stuff like that. And honestly, having LeBron look like B.A. Baracus in the car <laughs> yes. was really cool. Like, like, honestly, he looked like he fucking fit in. It like, did. that's great. Yeah, for the first, like, second or two, I didn't realise it was him. No. Because he just fits so well. They do a thing with Austin Powers, which I like. It could have been done a bit better with the Elmer Fudd stuff. Yeah. But I like the incorporation of Fudd and Sylvester. And, and shaved cat. Sylvester, yeah. <laughs> I also love the fact that it's kind of like they don't know what worlds they got sent to. Because Sylvester's yeah. like, wait a minute, Elmer, you're here as well. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, sure, sure thing. But like they do the DC world stuff. And I also kind of like the fact that they have the Looney Tunes animation with the unique animation of, like, the DC animated universe. I thought that was done pretty well. Now they do go to a DC comic book. Whoa. They go to they go to Wonder Woman comic book, baby. Do uh, Warner Brothers own the rights to the official comic of Wonder Woman? Because if they do not, then this whole sequence was just a way for them to go back to DC World without going back to DC World. Now, I'm not sure if it's the same thing as, like, Disney, in which now Marvel is just fully incorporated into Disney. Like, maybe Warner Brothers just owns specific rights. Now, if they own the actual characters, then technically they would also own the comic books of those characters. True. But if they only own the movie rights, then yes, the comic book thing should probably be different than yeah. the DC Universe stuff. But if they own everything involving Wonder Woman, then I agree in the case that it is just another excuse to just have a unique world thing. Yeah. And I really like that scene. Don't get me wrong. I really love the whole aesthetic, the comic book aesthetic with Lola and Wonder Woman. I really yeah. like that. But once again, they had a whole planet dedicated to DC. So really, if they did also own the comic book, they would also most likely also be on DC planet. So I don't know. The comic book floating in space just feels a bit weird. But once again, tunes are tunes. But for some reason, 
everyone plays by their rules, not the rules of their world. <laughs> yes, that reason. is true. Uh, like, there's no reason why they couldn't have just gone to the other side of DC World and it's now comic book aesthetic or something. Exactly. They could have picked Lola up at the same time as they angered everyone. Yeah. But they didn't. Talking about this uh, comic book scene, this is where we are introduced to Lola. Yep. And we find out here that Lola has a different voice actor. For the first time in how many years now? God knows how many. It's been it's been Kath Susie for as long as I can remember. But for some reason, I don't know what it is, probably because they're quite a big name right now. They have Zendaya, and I believe her delivery of Lola is very bland when compared to Kath's. I will say that she does sound a little wispy. Yes. I don't know why that entirely is. Maybe it was her first voice acting role. I, I don't really know. But she does yeah. come off a little bit quieter. Even though the first time you really get to see her, she is screaming. like a character. Yeah, yeah it's yelling. weird, isn't it? It's like she turns down her own volume a bit. Yes. For no reason. It's, it's like she's not completely confident in what she's saying. So rather than her voice projecting, she sort of limits it a tiny amount. Now, I also... Do agree slightly. I do feel like it is an odd choice to just have Zendaya voice Lola. Not because I have anything particularly against Zendaya, but it's no. just, why would you remove an established figurehead who's voiced the character for a while? Kath Susie voiced Lola back in the days of Space Jam 1. It would have been a really cool reprisal. It's one of those things as well, though, that leads me to one of the ideas that I think that this is a revitalization movie. That they just want to do away with the old. I, I think it is something like that, because I also think Space Jam was the first introduction of Lola Bunny, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is taking the revitalization route, so they want to rebrand her as something completely different, which obviously also means remove the old voice actor, get someone new. Yeah, that's quite possible, especially since her introduction was sort of different because of the times. But since then, they've used Lola in a variety of properties and have changed her character substantially over this time. So I don't see why they would change the actor of Lola Bunny, who has already been re-established with Kath as the voice actor, with a new voice actor. I honestly think it's because currently Zendaya is a big name in Hollywood especially because of the popularity of Spider-Man and her yes. role as the new MJ. Another MJ. <laughs> Another MJ. Honestly, it starts to count up. I mean, even though Spider-Man, I don't think, is officially owned by Marvel, um, or at least the movie rights aren't, that's technically like three actors, I believe. Almost like a kick in the balls to to yeah. Marvel, because yeah. they've obviously got Don Cheadle, who's War Machine, they then have Zendaya, who's MJ, and then they also bring in Michael B. Jordan. Yes, they do, as a mistaken Michael A. Jordan, his heirness. Which, might I also add, that was another gag that I did actually genuinely laugh at. I thought that was a cute little gag. I, I enjoyed it. I would definitely say it was a cute little gag. Because I actually like the fact that, you know, they even say, like, it's been 25 years, and I'm not sure if Sylvester's racist. I don't know, because he looks nothing like Michael Jordan. No, he doesn't. So, the only similarity between them, really, is the name. Do you think he went around the crowd asking people's names? I don't. Why would he feel the need to pull specifically Michael B. Jordan? 
out of the crowd. Yeah, that, that's true. It doesn't make sense. It's literally just there for the gag and to go, oh, look, here's an actor you'll recognise. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> that's all <laughs> no, he's there for. He does that, nothing. That is true. But I don't know. I just kind of like the fact that even when he's there, he's just like, I don't know. This Awkward. weird cat thing told me to come <laughs> down here for some odd reason. And then I actually like the fact that he ends up trying to give a rousing speech. And they're all just like, no. Nah, go no, away, no, go, go, go away. <laughs> and then he's just like, fair enough. And then just runs off. And then he goes, popcorn. yeah. And I don't know, I, that entire sort of gag really worked for me. I did like the part where they told him to go away and didn't acknowledge him because he wasn't the right Michael Jordan. Yes. <laughs> but the whole bringing him in as a, a quick fake out gag, I'm not plussed about it really. No, didn't enjoy it that much. Yeah. Other than sort of Lola Bonnie, we we pretty much loved most of the voice work in this in terms of voice acting. Yeah, well, LeBron James voicing himself as a tune is really weird. Yeah, it's really weird. It's really weird because he doesn't fit the sort of, I guess, the sound type, the character type that he's being portrayed as. He also doesn't emote very much. Exactly. When you're acting as yourself, it's very easy to act as yourself because you're you and there you are. Yeah. But when you're voice acting a character in wacky situations, you need to match the energy. Yeah, you do. And LeBron fails to do that. He tries. He tries his best, but his screaming voice isn't exactly an energetic, high-pitched, fun screaming voice for a cartoon character. It sounds really awkward. Like someone stuck him in a booth and said, right, we now need you to scream down yeah. this microphone. <laughs> As a fellow man that can't scream right, <laughs> I, can, I can relate <laughs> to how awkward that sounds. It just comes out as like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> but his voice work isn't particularly great. Jeff Bergman and Eric Bowser, though, decent job. I mean, voicing the majority of characters. Pretty much all of the Looney Tunes, almost, yeah. Yeah, and then you have the, uh, I think, the comedian. What's his, what's his name? Fuzzy? Uh, Gabriel Inglesius? Yep. As Speedy Gonzalez. I wish more was done with him. Not just as a voice actor, but as the character of Speedy Gonzalez. There's so much more they could have done with him. Because at one point, they have Dame Time. We haven't even talked about that yet. We haven't even talked about that and yet. And Roadrunner slows down, but I don't think Speedy Gonzalez would. He would have been a good counter to that, but instead they use Granny Matrix reference, because old people oh, moving in God. a young person's way is funny. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you and, get like, it? like, fifth Matrix reference of the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for fuck's yeah. sake. Uh, but I think as one of the last things that I truly want to mention is the actual team that they play against. Now, to me, I think the actual team, design-wise and just uniqueness and the way they are in the actual film, I prefer... Can't even really remember what the fuck the other team's called, if I'm honest. I think they're the Goon Squad. Yes, they are. Monstars Stars is a cooler name, in my opinion. Although it was really weirdly executed in the first film. Monstars Stars is way cooler, for, a, for yeah. a fact, yeah. But speaking about their designs, I do enjoy the designs they came up with for each of the characters. They are quite unique, and they fit the theme of the video game nonsense, right? Yep. But when compared to the Monstars from number one, I do feel like the Monstars, which I believe were originally created just for Space Jam 1, yeah. are more original and they have more character. But their designs, when they go big, are sort of just big lumps of colour. Yeah, like, I, I agree with you completely. The fact that the actual Monstars are 
are fucking characters. They're not just, <laughs> here's a bunch of randomly generated NPCs. Yeah, that's all they are. They're just 3D models of faces you'll know mixed with something. Yes. That's it. And wet fire? Wet <laughs> Come f- on. <laughs> wet fire. So dumb. It's so, so dumb. dumb. But I enjoyed the interactions between them and the Looney Tunes. My only yes. issue is, is that the Looney Tunes don't get to do as much in terms of actually being loony or wacky or using their no. own skills because it feels like three characters do something, then Wily e. Coyote does a bunch of duplicating ball shenanigans. That was cool. And then Granny does a Matrix reference. Yeah. Whereas in the first Space Jam, it seems like they did so much more wacky shit and it feels like they did more in terms of loony movements and stuff for a longer amount of time. Yeah, they seem to act more cartoonish. Yeah. When in number two, rather than them being cartoonish, it's the world they affect that's more outlandish. Because they end up having a random rap battle because there are style points in basketball now. Yes, that is true. This is the game. This is Domball. And the rap battle, eh. Yeah, take it or leave it, yeah. Yeah, take it or leave it. It wasn't a rap battle. It was a chance for Porky Pig Stutter to be abused for a bit. Yeah, that's For the benefit true. of everyone. He did spit sick bars, though. <laughs> Algie didn't even know what fucking him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fucking notorious P.I.G. back in action. Please don't. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I will give the Goon Squad, God, I fucking hate that name, is that I do feel like there were more fun interactions for the actual enemy team along with the Looney Tunes. Yeah. Whereas the Monstars, sadly, were just big, bulky aliens. Like, that's really all they were. The idea of the Monstars, I think, is far better. Yes. But the, I guess, the effects or the appearance of the Goon Squad, I think, is much more unique. Yes. And one of the biggest things is that they go for a full 3D CG look towards the end yeah. of the film. And like Porky Pig, take it or leave it. Yeah. I thought it was okay, besides the fur graphics on Bugs and Lola. I think yeah. everything was else was alright. I took a bit of time to actually warm up to it, to be honest. I would have preferred the 2D, because the 2D animations were amazing in the film, and the 3D doesn't even compare, Yeah. in terms of quality, in my opinion, of animation. But it fit for me, it was alright. Yeah. I did warm up to it eventually, but when I first saw it, I was like, okay, Warner, what are you doing? Are you making a new Looney Tunes <laughs> cartoon show that's 2D? Or are you trying to go, do you as a populace want a 3D Looney Tunes cartoon? Because I think most people would say 2D, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, I would agree. But I think what they were doing, like with most of the references in the film, they were sort of having a test yeah. to see which of their IPs will stick. Or they were showing IPs which have either been recently released or are older, more obscure IPs that older audiences might recognise to see if they could bring them back. As far as I recall, they don't really show any of the more popular or more modern Cartoon Network properties. Like Gumball, they don't bring back the modern cartoons that have done well, yet they felt the need to bring back Scooby-Doo and Wacky Races because they've recently had a new Scooby-Doo movie that also mentions the Wacky Races. Like, a prominent theme in that is that Dick Dastardly and Motley are the main antagonists of that film. 
Yeah, and that's a film mostly for the older audiences, but I guess because they're throwing in some few later references, you know, like Rick and Morty, yes. for the adult audiences, that's what most of these are for, honestly, these references. Fucking they are for the older Game audiences. Game of Thrones. Exactly. Yeah. They mentioned that way too many times. It feels like when they made the movie, they thought the younger audiences having LeBron James and the whole theme of the film is enough to bring in kids. So they thought, like, maybe we need to put something in for the older audiences. So what do they put in? Everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. I definitely would have preferred it if, honestly, even though it brings in viewers, if they removed the obvious, like, Game of Thrones, Rick and Morty stuff and kept yeah. with the obscure shit. Like, I actually don't mind the fact that they do Harry Potter because it, was, it seemed very short, that one. And apparently both... Me and LeBron James share the same house. So there you go. Fucking Hufflepuff, terrible. But, you know, keeping some more of that obscure shit. Because everybody knows Game of Thrones. And everybody knows fucking Rick and Morty. And all we're going to go is go, oh, look, there's a thing. You know, not only people who go fucking, oh, my God, they included Austin Powers or fucking Casablanca or even the older films. Like, I love the fact that there was an Iron Giant reference in this because I loved that film as a kid. A lot of it is just Warner Brothers stretching their big IP wanger. It really Their is. IP-ness. Yeah, it's their IP-ness. <laughs> so fucking sharp. But speaking of that, the references in the final basketball game sequence yeah. are just... There's a saturation... <laughs> Of IPs. God set, yeah. I absolutely loved pausing the film and going through them, but I also didn't like the really bad cosplays. No, that is the thing that ruined that for me. Like, I didn't pause to go look for characters, even though I probably would have had fun doing that as well. But that's because the minute they introduced the fucking animated characters being like, oh, you know, let's go support the fucking Looney Tunes or whatever... The minute they do that, and the minute the game field is set up, they also bring in a couple of million humans in there, and they all just look fucking dreadful. You can tell that they were told to do, I guess, an idle animation, so to speak. Oh, that's like a minute long. And then they had them all together react to the silent stun section, and that's it. But the way they've been mixed together, you can identify the idle animations for one, and two, they don't always use the idle animation of the stunned part when they should. Yes. So there will be parts where they're having like a little bit of a heart to heart, a little bit of a slowdown for the audience. And while a lot of the crowd is standing still and listening, for some reason you have a few of these bastards in the background jumping, clapping and waving their hands still and cheering like they're speaking. Yeah. But we can't hear shit, right? (laughs) No, we can't. And I also absolutely hated the fact that you get random cosplay Satan waving his fucking <laughs> just, Satan yeah. stick. It's like, fuck off! <laughs> and there's the Droogs as well yeah, from yeah. Clockwork Orange. Yep. There's It. There's the Wicked Witch of the West. There's like a load of child eaters See, in the crowd. That's it. I'm sure there have been articles about this written to death about how it's bad for the kids to see these people the kids don't know they they don't care leave them alone the kids don't know it's just funny they're in the crowd because they're just there for references they don't mean anything by it leave them alone but at the same time they should have just gone for a fully animated crowd yeah and i don't actually mind the announcers being human if i'm honest i think it would have been a funny gag to just have a bunch of animated characters surround the field and then just algae is like oh, you know what, these two aren't doing anything at the moment. Let's bring them yeah. in. Because then you could have had more of a startled reaction. Because of the time that they spend, 
you know, trying to absorb the family and absorb all the other random humans or something, you could have had more of an actual comedic reaction from the only two other humans that actually get absorbed into this world. Yeah, but it was literally just a you-know-who-I-am moment. Wow, it's me. Yes. And that's, that's it. I would have preferred at least one animated character in the announcer's box because then they would have had a foil. Yeah. And we would have had some crazy wacky dynamic between a real person and a cartoon loony commentator. Yes. And we could have gotten some fun some fun plays between them. Some fun back and forth between them. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And I also didn't know this. I don't even know if most people know this, but apparently LeBron's family also consists of a middle-aged white office worker. <laughs> yeah, it's a blue-collar middle-aged man holding a bag. Yeah. Just with the family in their heartfelt hug moment. Straight from just office standing space, there. Just back at it again. That's it. Well, he's got his, he's moving in. That's what the <laughs> bag's for. Yeah, he's got his toothbrush like, in. It's like, I can't wait to join the James family. It's like, oh... Yeah. That was really unusual how he was at the front of the crowd yes. and not in line with the rest of them. It was so weird. And of course, you obviously have New York mafiosos and gangsters yep. in between all the fucking Agent Smiths and White Walkers. Such a miss. So bad. It's so garbage. And the only things that really pop out again is like Iron Giant and King Kong. And that's just because that shit they had to make noticeable. But in terms of, like, when they're actually playing the good old b-ball, yeah. really the only shit you see is just terrible, terrible people who just just yeah. don't deserve to be in this film. But apart from me just going on a fucking bitch fest about how humans don't belong in animated films, overall, I thought Space Jam 1, again, titled Anu Legacy, is a fucking... It's a cringy film. You know, if you're going into this expecting something amazing, honestly, unless you're an animation buff, you're probably not even really going to give a shit. Yeah. But I I thought some of the gags are hit and miss, but I did feel like some made me smile. I don't care about the brand placement. It's fucking Warner Brothers. If the screen isn't filled with some sort of advertisement, then I'm probably watching something else. Just because it's expected doesn't mean you should give it a pass, though. <laughs> no, that's true. The acting is subpar, unless it's Don Cheadle hamming it up for Al G. The actual sort of basketball bit at the end, I actually enjoyed the fact that they made it a massive event. I thought that the last, like, half an hour, 45 minutes, when they just started playing the actual game, was enjoyable all the way through. But again... It's offset by the fact that you just see copy and pasted characters in the stands. There's all the references to IPs. Everybody knows. Make your more obscure shit stand to the front. Well, space goes coast to coast. Yeah, because this absolutely feels like a revitalization of old properties. And they just throw it dead in the water. And it kind of makes me upset that a Looney Tunes film isn't a Looney Tunes film. It's a LeBron film starring the Looney Tunes. Other than that, I actually did find it relatively enjoyable from just a fun aspect. As a film, it's just going to be whether you can tolerate the references or the ad placement. Because if you can't, it's going to be garbage. And I personally think it's a 6 out of 10. Yourself? I think Space Jam A New Legacy is just a hectic reference fest that had some nuggets of greatness, mostly in the animation department. And I do, like you, enjoy the final basketball sequence, because that's what the film's about. 
I don't like it took place on a Tron court when it could have done so many more creative things with it. Yeah. But it does have minor moments of greatness. Most of these, personally, are destroyed by what I feel is poor casting or acting, brand names, an unoriginal and mostly oversimplified plot, and Warner Brothers giving fellatio to LeBron James the whole time. Yeah, Just a load of circle jerking. It really is. I believe that all the references, although I did enjoy some of them, they don't add anything to the film, and they function really as just a fewer screening to see which IPs they should continue to make. Yeah. When compared to the original, it does a lot of things right with the modern technology that they couldn't do in number one, but number one was more original, even though it doesn't stand up to today's standards. So I do think number two, as it is, probably for me, deserves a five. A a close five. And before we get to the outro card, we are going to do a very special after show based on both Space Jam A New Legacy and Space Jam 1, in which we basically just chat shit about both and compare about what we both liked and didn't like about both films. Stay tuned for that, which I believe will be released on the Monday following this episode's release. And on that note, Fruitball fans, comes the end of the episode. As always, don't forget to follow us on Spotify and all other major podcast platforms to catch new episodes every Friday. Or support us directly by going to anchor.fm forward slash Fruitball Weekly. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fruitball Weekly to keep up to date with Fruitball news, any giveaways we may be doing, or to catch our fan pick review polls every four weeks. Please send any feedback or any Fruitball episode ideas to us at fruitballweekly at gmail.com and we will catch you next week. See you then. See you then.